The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the latest episode of The Roundtable brought to you by Blogging the Boys. It's not RJ Ochoa tonight. It is me, myself, Tony Catalina. But don't worry. Don't hold that against me. I have three of the best minds at Blogging the Boys has to offer. Some of the OGs. I said it in my tweet. Um, you guys, I'm in good company here. So I'm, I'm, I'm jealous. Oh, not jealous. I'm lucky. And I guess the, the viewers are jealous or not as jealous. I guess this is the treat here. So um, without further ado, I'll start at the top here. We have Danny Rogers. And Danny, uh, just like in typical RJ fashion, I know it's not dinner time yet for you. So what would you eat for lunch? So actually, all I've had is some spinach dip. And uh, my mom made it and she's trying to replicate the spinach dip of my wife's and it's not quite as good, but uh, that's my snack right now. But I agree with you, Tony, you know, it's kind of nice to be here with these, uh, these older gentlemen, you know, for us, a couple of young guys, you know, just uh, hanging with these guys. So I'm uh-huh. excited. I'm, <laughs> I'm excited for tonight. <laughs> oh, Speaking of that. young gentlemen here and somebody with a lot of youthfulness, um, Tom, how are you doing, my friend today? I'm I'm doing well. Uh, waiting to see if it's going to rain. Uh, some thunderstorms in the area, so if I suddenly go blank, uh, might be some, a power outage, and I'll try to get back as soon as I can. But hopefully, we'll weather that. Okay, haha. Uh-huh. Uh, and yeah, it's 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 fun, especially because you know uh, Dan and Sean and I all got together. Uh, uh, out at Oxnard a couple years ago, and it was a great moment because it was the first time I'd ever gotten to actually meet some of the people that I'd worked with at Blogging the Boys, and it was it was a great, great few days out there watching the Cowboys practice. Absolutely, and speaking of Rabble Rouser, he has graced us with his presence, like uh, what Samata says here. So I want to start with you, Rabble. How are you doing today? And uh, real quick, I, this isn't one of the questions, but I haven't got your thoughts officially. How do you feel about the Cowboys post-draft? I know if people listen to you and Danny's show, they probably get a little teaser, but a little synopsis here for the Roundtable crew. I'm doing okay. This is the time of year when uh... – there's a mixture of good and bad. Uh, the good is, of course, that this is the time, you know, where we get to sort of bask in that post-draft afterglow. Uh, the bad news is it's also the time every year where my allergies are at their worst. So right now um, I'm losing that battle. And so uh, I'm not loving that part of it. But, uh, you know, it's, it's it's something I know I expect every year. So at least I can kind of, you know, prepare for it. Um, in terms of the Cowboys, how am I feeling about the Cowboys post-draft? 
I mean, I, listen, I like the draft. I think it was a solid draft. I think they, you know, they keep getting better at drafting on days two and three, which is nice to see. They've been, they've been the best team in the league on day one for a, a decade or more now. Um, but so I, I like to see that, that they're continuing to refine their process or seemingly, I, I think they have a, I think they have a good process and that was a tough thing in a, in a draft that had almost no talent at the top, had a lot of flat spots in it. And, um, and the fact that they were drafting in the bottom third of the round, every round, that that's a tough place to be. And they, I think they did a nice job of, 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 um, not overdrafting, getting, you know, just being solid about it. Uh, are they better than they were? I don't know. I think we'll talk. I think we'll talk about that. I, 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 am really like, uh, for me, the jury's out. I'm not sure. First, absolutely. And so like you talk about the draft as a whole. So I'll ask you first here too. Um, do you have a favorite pick? Was it, was it value? Was it a guy? Was it Mozzie Smith? Um, like who, who kind of made you stand up and say, okay, like this is the Cowboys doing exactly what they typically do here. I think for me, it was Eric Scott. You know, I, I think that, you know, they had, they have a profile, a physical profile in terms of their, their corners. They like, they like uh, long uh, athletic, you know, uh, I think Danny used the word pterodactyl. Uh, uh, they, they like those long arm corners. Um, I think they've been doing a really nice job of mining interesting, interesting guys who've somehow kind of fallen under the league's radar. Uh, and he seems to be, you know, the same, the same kind of guy um, that they drafted in the last couple of years. Um, and I, 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 I think he's got a lot of athletic upside. I think he could really surprise. I, I, I think that, uh, you know, he's a sort of Deron Bland 2.0 and I'm really excited to see what he can do. You know, when we were in camp last year, it was immediately apparent that Deron Bland was perfectly comfortable playing with the big boys. So we're going to, we're going to find out pretty quickly about Eric Scott, because I think it, we'll, we'll know right away whether he is as well. Tom, I didn't have a good chance to ask you this. So I, I kind of ask you a similar question. Um, I haven't gotten your take. So who is your favorite pick so far? Is is it Eric Scott? Is it Deuce Vaughn? Like, who are you looking at saying like, man, this, this is probably going to be my favorite of this class. Well, Deuce is the easy answer, but I, I'm actually going to say that I like Schoonmaker. Mm-hmm. I think he is going to turn into more than people realize uh, I think he's going to really fit into the offense. I, I think he is going to be the security blanket that Dalton Schultz was. And uh, I think in that aspect, the Cowboys are going to just, you know, not show any bumps in the road. And by about midseason, we're going to realize we're probably in better shape than we were uh, last season at the position. I love to hear it. So, you know, I I saved you for last, Danny, because I wanted to open up our initial topic with this. And I kind of wanted to see what your positivity may be here. So um, as we kind of transition to our first real question, what are you, Danny Phantom, most confident about the Cowboys post-draft? Yeah, I mean, I am most confident about our defensive line. I know that's kind of a a big blanket statement to make, but – I'm really excited about what the Cowboys have done as far as their additions. If you were to ask me my favorite picks, I would actually be torn between the Mozzie and the junior Fioco pick because I, I think both of those guys are just be great additions to our line. And I feel like our, our, def- our, our defensive tackle position is probably stronger than it's been in years. And it's not just, not just Hank and Mozzie, but, but Osa, I feel like, you know, the way he's played and, Coming in year three, I, I just feel really good about the 
the interior defensive line. And I think that just opens up things for much more. I really think this is going to be a big year for Micah Parsons. I really think that, you know, he's with bulking up and they're finally going to just basically, okay, this guy's an edge. Not enough with this off-ball linebacker stuff. This guy's an edge. And, uh, you know, he's been flirting with defensive player of the year, you know, for the last couple of years. I don't think this is the year. I think this is the year where he just owns it. And I just think it all comes down to just the depth and talent they have in the trenches. So that is what I am. I feel the best about with this uh, Cowboys team post draft. Tom, where do you stand with it? Do you think defensive line is what you're the most encouraged about, or is there another position group that you're kind of feeling similar? No, Danny stole my answer. Uh, just, just flat beat me to it. Uh, and you know, it's other subtle things like Chauncey Golston now being considered part of the defensive interior. Uh, great guy when they want to go uh, for pass rush, I think, uh, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm I'm kind of excited about how I think Mozzie will help push the pocket when they pass in situations where he's on the field, uh, you know, like first down passes and stuff. I think he's going to be better at that, especially after he gets some coaching. I think, uh, you know, Dan Quinn and Dirty are just – dying to get their hands on him and see what they can cook up. So, yeah, uh, they had a, a fairly deep defensive line, especially defensive end last year, and it's deeper now. I mean, it's just uh, I, I, I think they got better there, and it was already very good. So, yeah, that's I, I'd have to say that. So, Rabble, listening to Tom and Danny talk, it's it's clear it's the defensive line. Are you going to go chalk here, three for three? I'm going chalk, and the only thing I'll say is I, I think it's pretty clear, given their behavior in the draft, that the Cowboys feel the same thing. I think they've, they've drafted as if the strongest unit on this team is the pass rush, and, and what they needed to do, they realized they needed to do, is make sure they give that pass rush more obvious passing situations. And, and, and I think their entire draft strategy and their, their in some ways their offseason talent acquisition strategy suggests that, that they basically think that this team wins because the pass rush makes plays. And those plays affect both sides of the ball because those plays lead to turnovers and short fields and easy scores and other things for a, an offense that might be struggling a little bit. Yeah, and like you know, I kind of want to ask you, Danny, this next question is a spinoff to here. I mean, it's obvious when we think of the defensive line, it's obviously the strength of this team, obviously the strength of the defense. There's a, it's it's almost like an embarrassment of riches, riches at the defensive line position. But what I want to ask you about, I haven't had a chance to ask you prior, was Micah Parsons kind of doing the quote-unquote full-time switch, putting on some weight. Do you think that says more about how they feel about him as a pass rusher or maybe how they feel about the young depth they have in linebacker? The first one because I don't see I don't I can't imagine they feel too great about the depth they have at linebacker. But I, I real I think you know and and they know this already. But I think anytime Mike is not rushing the passer is a wasted snap for Micah. To be quite honest, I think this is where he's excellent at. And I think that the Cowboys with the players they have and you know Tom mentioned you know Chauncey and I, they can really move players around. And I just think it's just going to allow Micah to just come at you in so many different ways. So having Micah, you know, on the on the defensive line all the time and, and, and coming after the quarterback, and I, I just think you'll get the the full benefit of him. And I just honestly, too, I, I mean, I loved hearing the news that he's strengthening up, too, because I, I was starting to get a little worried that, you know, because he, he he started to show a little, you know, he'd wear down a little bit. And that's, that's a lot to ask about a guy his size 
Um, granted, he's super strong, but a guy that's just constantly asked to do that and fight with those uh, big offensive linemen that tackles, you know, you know, snap in and snap out. That that's a tough ask of anyone. So I, I love that the, you know he's going to add some more strength to him and just so he can be able to fight in the trenches more. But I just feel that Micah, they know what they have in Micah, and it's just it's their it's his time to just basically come out and just be the undisputed, you know, the best defensive player in the league, because really, I mean, he's, he has the talent and, and it's just waiting to, to really be unleashed. You know, Tom, I'm interested to hear your point on this. Um, now, do you in the same camp as Danny where it's like, listen, put him at pass rusher, let him do what he does best. Let him go and get quarterbacks. Or are you kind of in the camp that you feel that he has some value to be almost like a, an attacker, right? You can sometimes line up in the A gap. We've seen him do different things at the linebacker spot. Like I, I know Dan Quinn isn't going to lose their creativity with Micah Parsons, but are you at least a little worried about just kind of putting them on the on the line and saying, "Go ahead, big guy"? No, because you know sometimes they like to switch things up and drop an end into coverage, and this is one end that can go out and cover people. Uh, you know, and and it'll be interesting to see uh, now. Overshown it does not have a lot of reputation as a pass rusher. He's pretty much uh, only good when he can come as a free runner. But with being able to do some creative things with Parsons still, that might free that up. Uh, and, uh, you know, they, they've also – we could also see him going with five linemen fronts out there, and you're not sure who's going to do what, which you know, Dan Quinn can be a little bit of a mad scientist in a good way. So – yeah, I, I'm not at all concerned about them making him a defensive end, that that's going to kill creativity and kill any inventiveness. Uh, I just think that they've got a lot of players that have a lot of different things they can do, and that that is one of the things the Cowboys really seem to draft for is people that don't fit neatly into one particular slot but can do things. Uh, you know, I, I mentioned Overshone. I think they may be looking at, at J. Ron Curse as what they want to mold him into as a player mm -hmm. like that. So, yeah, I'm. I feel. I feel like it was. It was. It was one of those things. that's like, well, we all knew this, so let's just go ahead and make it official. Yeah. So, Rabble, you know, if you're if you have any Micah thoughts that you want to add on that, go ahead. But I do want to ask you a question. Um, we had talked about the most confident like what thing we were most confident about the Cowboys, but is there anything that's like a close second in your mind or is it just like running away with defensive line or is there, you know, is it Dak Prescott's like coming in this year? Is it Tony Pollard being the head guy? Like, is there anything that even compares to you? That's a great question. Um, I, I, when I was thinking about that, I sort of thought, well, you know, uh, if I, if I say uh, pass rush or defensive line, it's not going to be, uh, you know, an, a unique or unusual thought. Right. So I was trying to think of other things. I guess the other one that I came up with is I believe in the quarterback. Right. And so um, I think that I think that, you know, if you look at if you look at teams that have been maybe not quite as talented in the last decade or so who have made deep playoff runs, they've oftentimes done so because their they, their quarterback elevated a little bit, not a lot, but a little bit. And um, and their, their defensive line took over games and, and, and evened out the, any kind of disparity between their quarterback and other teams' quarterbacks. The Cowboys are built to do that. They can do that. And I do believe in this quarterback. I know he had a down year, particularly in terms of turnovers last year. But um, 
I, I think that that was more of an anomaly. So I, I think that if, if there is, if there is something to be confident about, about this team, it's, it's really, it's those two pieces. It's the one, it's the most important part on offense. It's the most important part on defense. Absolutely. And as a reminder, even though RJ isn't here, um, Rabble, I don't know if you're familiar with this side of it. Um, I'm keeping score here. So at the end of this round table, we are going to pick a winner. We have the, we have the listeners um, or, you know, the viewers, they're going to um, kind of chime in, give points out here. So I just want to let you know, it's, it's tied across the board. I think there's some really good points there and um, it's easy to talk positivity. I mean, I'm a fan of positivity. Mm-hmm. Um, this is in no way, shape or form um, on purpose, Dan, but I'm gonna let you go first here and, and kind of, kick us off here with what are you most worried about this team oh i get to go first again so um (laughs) i so this is normally the the time where i would start to express my concerns about uh how incompetent mike mccarthy is or or just how worried i am that he's going to just um you know burn this offense into the ground and you know this the, the whole negativity with 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 McCarthy but I'm not going to go that route in fact I'm actually going to try to steal my buddy Rab's answer here because I know what I know what he's worried about and we're doing points Tom don't steal my answer <laughs> <We're>, uh, <laughs> um I, I if, if I start to envision like what could really go wrong with this team I could see that the Cowboys just still have some issues in the trenches on the offensive side. I, I think that we still don't have a definitive answer at left guard. We have a lot of choices, but I mean, we had a lot of choices at wide receiver last year and we saw how that turned out. So I, I mean, choices will get you nothing. Um, so I, I feel like, you know, when you look at Terrence Steele, you know, how will he, how healthy will he be and how will he perform coming back there? You know, there could be, uh, you know, a, a range of outcomes where that's not so great. And of course the, you know, the, constant fragility of Tyron Smith is always something. So I guess if if the Cowboys offensive line struggles and it puts Dak Prescott in a situation where he's trying to do too much and and he just basically don't have a, an opportunity to, to be Dak, um, that could just completely waste away some of your new weapons you have and some of the, the key pieces they have. And, and to me, that that's an area of concern. I mean, I'm not like I, I feel like they'll figure it out. I was worried about this same thing last year, and it, it turned out a little better than I thought. But it's still something that worries me because there's just a lot of question marks along the offensive line. So that that would be my answer for the thing I'm worried about the most. You know, Tom, I I actually agree completely with Danny. I'm as as confident as I am about the defensive line. That's how worried I am about the offensive line. Like the answers are there. It's like, what are they going to use? Like, what pieces to the puzzle are they actually going to put here? So, um, there's a lot of question marks. The left guard, the health of Tyron Smith. Um, so with me and Danny kind of agreeing lockstep there. Are you kind of following that lead as well? And are you worried about the offensive line? Or are you going to go somewhere else with this? No, it's. These two things, it just seems so obvious when you look at everything and, and everything that's happened. And the the whole the whole problem right now, uh, you know, Danny mentioned the thing about health between Tyron and Terrence Steele. It it's hard to know how many games you're gonna have people show up. If, the team seems confident that Terrence is gonna be good to go for the start of the season. You know, knock on wood, let's hope that that does happen and that it does work out that way. Uh, But, you know, then you've still got the left guard situation. Is Are they really going to be able to keep Tyler Smith there with with Tyron playing at at left tackle? 
Uh, is Asim Richards going to be a, a, a possible solution at that point? Uh, will they have to go with, uh, I think it's a Doga? Uh, will he have to step up? Uh, are they going to just have a, a, a just like, wow, what, what, are, what are we doing at this position? Uh, it, it's, it's kind of, it has me uneasy. I was uneasy last year. Uh, Tyler Smith turned out as the guy, the commenter said to be so much better than we, we kind of had hoped. And uh, especially after they prepped him to play left guard and then suddenly said, Nope, you're back out at left tackle. Uh, they did have some problems with some of the uh, injuries that cropped up and having to mix and match people. So that, I think that's going to be really important. They managed to kind of keep it together and still be a fairly successful team last year. Let's hope they can do a little bit better this year because I think they're going to need it. And uh, as Danny said, can they keep Dak Prescott from having to do too much and make quick decisions? Uh, you know, and hopefully he's going to have some receivers that get more open and give him better targets so he's not throwing into tight windows as much. Uh, but yeah, to, to me, everything, it just, this just seemed like too easy answers to come up with from the questions. So Rabble, I do want to get your answer on this, but I want to get what's a matter's question on the screen is super chat. So I really appreciate it. What's the matter? Uh, he asks, let my fave for rock a drink of your choice, be a brew, a soda, energy drink, or a fancy bottle of water. Also, how will the West Coast offense and the new blocking scheme play to against our players' strength? So Rabble, I want to ask you this question. What do you think about what's the matter's question there? Um, depends on the time of year, man. Uh, when it's hot and dry, give me uh, give me a, a nice cold beer, uh, pro- preferably like an, an IPA with this, a nice hoppy IPA to cut that, or give me a Coke. I mean, that does the only things that they'll do it. So right now, we're just as as we as we head here in the, on the East Coast into uh, into you know high spring and almost into summer. Um, my drink of choice turns to the gin and tonic. So right now I'm all about the gin and tonic. It, again, it cuts it cuts that thirst, man. It's the best. <laughs> I love I love the gin and tonic question, but what do you feel about the West Coast offense? Yeah, so it's actually in, in some ways in some ways I, I love that question because it it sets me up for what I wanted to talk about in terms of the thing that um, makes me the most worried. And it's it's not really about a, a position group per se. It is it is, but it's it's more about a sort of philosophical set of choices that they that they made in the off season. So. When we looked at last season, in in hindsight, there were a couple of stats that came up that I thought were particularly troubling. And one of them was, and we've we've all talked about these, right? Which is that the Cowboys were the bottom five in terms of pass block win rate. Now you can take that that stat, you know, with a grain of salt if you don't believe in the stat. But I think it's a, you know, it, it is a it is a reasonable stat, and and it's one of those things where when they're that low, it's it's that's not particularly confidence building. So they were very low in that in that particular metric on PFF. And then of course the other one was in um, separation and uh, or distance of percentage. Like it was very clear statistically from several different metrics that the Cowboys receivers were having a lot of trouble separating. Okay. So it felt like going into this off season, if their offense was going to return to the form it had e- either at the best of this season, but even, even more at, at you know, at the height in the, in the 2021 campaign, they were going to have to, have an infusion of talent. They needed receivers who could separate and they needed an offensive lineman or two who were better at pass blocking. And they didn't do that. And basically what they did and their behavior made it very clear that, that what they feel is this was not about personnel. 
This is, this is not about personnel. This was about coaching. Okay. So no, the, the offensive staff jettisoned, obviously Kellen Moore jettisoned, and now we've got a new staff. So um, my biggest concern is that the fact that they blamed coaching and are, are bringing new coaches in to fix it is not going to be sufficient to address what ailed the offense in 2022, because it was actually about personnel. And I know they got, I know they got Brandon cooks and that's great, but um, like <laughs> there are a lot of other things that they're going to need to do to uh, be better at separating. And I think by extension, I talked earlier about the quarterback, what you want is a, is, is to give your quarterback as many easy throws as you can. If you look, if you look at, J, at Jalen Hurts, I mean, he was not asked to make nearly as many tight window throws as our quarterback. That's the biggest difference between the two of them this last year. He had a high, high percentage of easy throws. He did a great, he actually was very accurate on, on those tight window throws, but he was asked to do it far less often, which builds confidence, which, uh, um, you know, make, you know, gives your quarterback easy chunk plays. Um, that was not the case for Dak last year. And if they ask him to do that again, it's going to be really tough because, um, they're you're asking your quarterback to be a hero 25 times a game instead of five. And that's not a recipe for sustained success over the course of the season. I, yeah, I totally agree. And, you know, I'm interested to hear Danny, what your point is. And I know you guys host the show together. So uh, is, is there some unity there? Do you kind of believe in the same thing? Rabble rouser? Do you have a, some other different uh, take or uh, things that may uh, roughly feathers a little bit there? No, I do. I, you know, I, I don't dare argue with. <laughs> I save that for uh, Friday. Uh, but um, no, no, I, I do agree with them. I do think when I start to look at what they've done, trying to figure out. I mean, one thing that stands out to me is that they've they've definitely put a, um, an emphasis on power, whether offense, defense. They they're trying to get stronger in the trenches. Yeah. So I think that's something that I I like. Um, but I also think, and I don't really know what. Schottenheimer and McCarthy are really going to how the offense is going to look with with them taking over. But I do kind of sense a little bit more more speed to the outside, more stuff happening outside. I feel like because, I mean, if you look at like, you know, Deuce Vaughn even, you know, it's almost like a another version of Pollard. There's nothing like different. It's not more of a compliment a complimentary back it's more just of an extension of him and i feel like they're going to try to try to beat teams on the outside with speed you know they're bringing a one of the most nfl ready blockers tight blocking tight ends you know that you could draft you know people talk about was he taken too early stuff but you know that's debatable but the guy can block you can come in i really think that he's going to be able to contribute you know more immediately because of what he can do um with his blocking so you, you look at that, and of course, you know, Rab's talked about the separation with Brandon Cooks. Obviously, that's going to make anything things easier for any quarterback. Uh, so I, I, I like what they're doing. I really think they're just trying to to get faster and, and try to beat you with quickness out to the edge rather than um, putting everything on, you know, in, in tough situations where Dak's fighting third and longs. I, the one thing that I do disagree with, with Rab's with a little bit more is I feel like to me, it's 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 more all about the deck. I really feel like he's he's a bigger piece to the Cowboys n- not being able to perform like they they could have than a lot of people will acknowledge. And I, I I do agree with that. There are these other things; those things are real. But I feel like Prescott himself and the way he performs and sees the field and the decisions that he makes, I feel like that's the biggest um, thing that will you know move the needle for this Cow- Cowboys team. And I think we all agree with that he, he's a good quarterback, but we do need to see him play better than he did last year. 
because I just think that that's not that's not a quarterback at that level that's going to take you very far. And we want to see an improved performance from our quarterback. Tom, what, what, what's your take on this? I mean, we, we hear Rabs and Danny kind of get a little deeper into it. Do you feel that the same issues and possibly the, the things they didn't rectify or the way they, they plan to attack in today's NFL is, is a recipe for success? Or do you think that like they're kind of getting away from, you know, kind of what we know about Cowboys football? And is that maybe a good thing? I, well, to me, it kind of depends on what their their real approach to the running game is. Are are they going to lean more heavily on that? Because I don't think they should. Uh, I I want to see an offense where they come out on first down and basically the defense is having to flip a coin. Are they going to run or are they going to pass? Uh, I and at from there in the passing game, I. Fully agree that that Dak needs more targets, better targets, more open targets. Uh, I think they tried to address that. I think Brandon Cooks was an attempt to address that. Uh, I think Deuce Vaughn may have been kind of a sneaky way to address that because he is, you know, if you look at his college tape, he, he was really good at just getting open kind of a guy that would get out there and get lost in the, 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 the wash and, and get himself open out there. And that's another reason that I, I like uh, a schoonmaker because Bob Stern did a, a little bit of uh, tape work on him. And when you watch what was happening, it looked like every pass that was thrown to him in college was behind him. So he was having to slow down to catch the ball. And he looked like the kind of guy that if you lead him a little bit, he's going to rumble for a while. Uh, so I, I see how they tried to address this, but we're going to have to see if they actually succeeded. Hmm. And they're still looking for somebody to really step up in the wide receiver core. You know, it, it, it you know, is Jalen going to step up and finally show that he's worth being on the team? Uh, will one of the other guys, uh, Semi Fajoko or somebody, uh, step forward? Is Michael Gallup going to be healthy? Is that going to make a difference in his game? Because he was never what they needed him to be last year. He showed just occasional flashes. Is he going to come back? So th there's, you know, the plan is okay. The execution is a little bit uneasy in anticipating what's going to happen. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. 
Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Yeah, it's, you know, as we head into OTAs and, you know, training camp will obviously be here quickly. Um, it just seems like most of the questions are on the offensive side of the ball, right? Like, you know, we, we, we have trust and we have faith in Dak Prescott, but it's like, how is this going to shake out in front of him to protect him? How are the wep- weapons going to hold up? Who's going to step up? So and this is so different than what we've seen over the last couple of years where like the offense was the unit that's had to keep them in games, right? When Mike Nolan was here, it's like a shootout for your life every week. So it's, mm-hmm. it's one of those things where, um, you know, it's it's a change in the guard. It's it's kind of Dan Quinn's influence and how this defense looks. And it's almost different than how this today's NFL is attacking, right? Where like where you got offenses like Pat Mahomes and the way Jalen Hurts and the Eagles attack, the Cowboys are loading up on defense to be able to stop those, you know, those elusive units. It's 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 interesting to kind of see how it works out. But, um, you know, that, that's an easy pivot to our next question here. Our next topic um, is we had talked about some of the rookies and their roles and, and kind of the way they can help us. But what I wanted to ask, and I'll start with you, Rabble, is um, who is most likely to lose their job to a rookie it could be undrafted guy it could be chalk and go smith but that may be a little too easy it's just you're saying hey like be on lookout you know your job is definitely in danger now yeah i think the easy answer is that uh, quentin Bohan is going to lose his job to, to mozzie smith so that's not that's not the one i'm going to choose um and so i think but i'm going to stick at this uh, at defensive tackle because i think the the uh, the drafting of junior fahoku and the fact that they now have a, I think a type at three tech, right. With, with, with Osa and with Chauncey Golston, who's now kicked inside. And now I think with Fahoku, who is, it feels like he's the same kind of player, especially if he bulks up a little bit, he's a very similar sort of undersized, quick, relentless kind of guy. Who's the odd man out. It's Neville Gallimore. And so I think that I, I really feel like they they can only go three deep at three tech. Um, and I think that the, the guy who doesn't fit when you really look at, at the body type and the way they want to play the sort of play style is Gallimore. He was always sort of a halfway in between a one tech and a three tech for them anyway. And now they have such clearly articulated like one tech and three tech types feels like where, where does he fit? And I don't think, I don't think he does. I think, I think he's, he's gone. So Danny, I'll ask you here. I mean, I, I forgot how you felt about Jordan Lewis, but I said a guy like Eric Scott and some of these other cornerbacks could put a guy like Jordan Lewis on notice. Where do you stand? Are you in the defensive line or are you there with me? No. So actually um, I have, so I, I did agree. I do agree with Rabs that Gallimore and Bohana are basically out. I mean, I did, I did my a video with the 10 defensive linemen and those two were not a part of it. So I agree there, but um, I, I actually think, you know, t- talking about cornerback, I do think that the wonder twins at corner are, are definitely at risk. And I'm talking about the team's two day two corners from 2021. And that's Kelvin Joseph and my personal favorite, uh, Nashawn Wright. Uh, I call them the wonder twins because I keep wondering when they're going to actually show up <laughs> and do something. And uh, you know, I mean, if you look at last year, I mean, we got, we got depleted because with, with Anthony Brown out and Jordan Lewis out, and we actually had to call upon those guys and both of those guys managed to get themselves benched. So now with Nishan 2.0 in the fold, and I'm not as high on Eric Scott as Rabs is, and we'll probably have plenty of conversations about that. I have some same 
same apprehensions I have um, with him as I did with, with Nashawn. Um, so I'm not necessarily sure that he can come in and steal anybody's job, to be quite honest. I, I would hope a year three condition Nashawn would be in better um, position to, to hang on to his job versus letting a rookie like that. But who knows? Uh, but to answer your question about Jordan Lewis, I do think I don't, I don't have him. I, I can tell you right now, he, he's, no, he's not on my 53. He, he won't be on my 53. I think he's going to be a cap casualty simply because he, he will cost 4.5 million. That's his base salary. And, and that's, it's fine. And you, it's, you know, if you look at him, he's clearly not in the top three when you have, um, you know, the addition of Stefan Gilmore with Diggs and Bland as your main three. So now you're basically looking at him as a backup slot. And I personally, I don't think the delta between him and um, Israel Mukwamu covering the slot is big enough to justify 4.5 million, in my opinion. So I absolutely think Jordan Lewis is a guy that could end up losing a job, not necessarily to a rookie, but just due to the fact of players that have developed and moved ahead of him, like Bland and um, Mukwamu. And also they're one, they're going to still hang on to a space for one of their development guys, whoever that ends up being. Yeah. And, and I just like to add that bringing Stefan Gilmore in, it's definitely is part of that equation too. Right. And Tom, so do you, are you, do you agree with that? I mean, are you thinking that it's somebody on the interior defensive line? Is it one of these cornerbacks? Are you going somewhere different? Yeah. I I'm going to go somewhere else just because I'm, I'm very intrigued by something they did uh, after the draft. And I think that Malik Davis is going to wind up losing a spot to Hunter Lutke. I think he is going to become their power back. Uh, I think he's good enough to be able to play on any down uh, you know his his performance in college was was really impressive. Uh, he was he was a fullback, but he played a lot more like a, a a big running back. And he's very good in the passing game too. And if they only go with three backs as they did sometimes this year, uh, I think it's going to be him, Pollard, and Deuce Vaughn. Uh, you know, I, I just he's going to be the a guy that that to really watch. Uh, now you know it. it it could all blow up on me, but I, I just am very intrigued by them taking him and what he might be able to do because, uh, you know, he's he's also got the blocking ability to throw in there as a lead back if they need it. So uh, he's he's kind of more an H back, really, if you look at it. And and I'm, I'm you know, that he, he's going to be a guy that I'm going to watch real closely and really be pulling for. He's kind of my early pet cat, and I'm sure he is for a lot of people out there. Tom, I agree. Yeah, I think but you the same really sentiment about the H-back fullback. Say that again? Is that who's that for? Yeah, he was asking. I was actually was... asking oh, the yeah. question based on the same thing you were saying. Yeah, so I was I was just gonna say that um I, I think I think you've got the player right. I don't think he's I don't think he's necessarily a fullback. I think he's an H-back. And 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 because of that, I think I wouldn't I wouldn't be shocked at all to see him line up a tight end like Adele Johnson used to later in his career. So actually I think the guy who, uh, whose job is most threatened by him is, is Sean McKean. Because I think, I think that that sort of H back fourth tight end, it, that's the roster spot he could take. Like RB three slash TE four is something that he might be able to do. Um, you know, maybe he could be a, a, you know, the, 
one of the sort of interior blocker on uh, on um, special teams or something. If you can find a role there, um, I think he's going to, you know, he's going to carve out some space on this roster. And that's why you're the most highly educated of us all, because you've got the brains, man. <laughs> you know, I, I did want to say one thing, Tony. You know, I, I mean, I think these undrafted free agents, every year there's a handful of them that make our roster. We don't see it come, and we may have one favorite here and there, but the next thing you know, you just got to, you know, several of them are mm-hmm. logging snaps. Um, and I do think that Tom's choice, I totally agree, and I think people are going to love him preseason too. But I want to throw in, too, that I do – I would not be surprised, and I know this may be a little bit unfair to say because he's only has played for one year and he's a third round investment. But I wouldn't be surprised if Jalen Tolbert just didn't there they they'd have room for him. And the reason I say that is because I feel like the Cowboys have a lot of options. Again, they're just options at this point, but they're players that could end up, you know, creating some competition, you know, down the down the depth chart at receiver. You know, you talk about. I mean, we got a couple of new Jalens. That's been added uh, with our draft pick, uh, Jalen mm-hmm. Brooks. And then uh, I forget the other night, like Marino Cropper. Is that mm-hmm. the other Jalen? Yeah. But I, I actually like I think he looks pretty good. And then the, another pet cat I think people are going to like in training camp is the, I forget where he's from, but the um, David Durden is another one that's kind of excites me. So I just think there's a, and if, if you talk about uh, Simi Fioco and Dennis Houston, you throw all those guys in there. If, if Jalen Tolbert doesn't, show something this year, then what's the point? Because I don't think we just have room for him. So I really think there's a lot of pressure on someone like him. He's already wide receiver four right now at at best. So it could be a situation to where it does not take a whole lot to where we don't even see him on the Cowboys roster. And, you know, wide receiver is always a place where there's, there seems to be somebody that comes up, uh, doesn't always work out. I thought Dennis Houston was going to be that guy last year. and he, He wasn't, uh, but I'm so glad that the uh, the cutdown has been just made one cutdown after the last preseason game, mm-hmm. because I think that's a there's going to be an excellent opportunity for the team to really try to evaluate these guys and make a really good call on on who they do keep in the wide receiver room, especially. I think I could be very useful to them there. You know, I will say if if you guys can hear me and my internet isn't choppy, um, Jalen Tolbert, to me, I'm glad you mentioned that, Danny, because I'm actually maybe a little bit more bullish on Tolbert because there are a lot of traits and a lot of things that people are really excited about. And we took him in the third round, and, and myself included, was one of my favorite picks. So, yes, we can look at what he did his rookie year. It wasn't really great. It wasn't it wasn't good at all, to put it bluntly. So, But to think that, in my opinion, he just – forgot how to play the game of football and maybe the game is too big for him but but I'm actually curious to see if he can step up and win that fourth wide receiver job um, I think that would be a really good thing for the Cowboys and it, I mean obviously it'd be a good thing for Tolbert yeah I was excited about him last year to be quite honest he was my favorite draft pick I thought the other guys were kind of a little bit overdrafted in my sense and I thought Tolbert made up for it and it just tells you you know what you what you can really tell from mm-hmm. trying to analyze the draft right afterwards, but uh, and yeah, but the, the fact that he turned out to be what he was last year was shocking to me, and I'm still confused by it. So if there are some issues where he can't get himself on the field when the Cowboys' receiving group is already, you know, not in great shape, then that worries me. So I don't know what kind of steps um, he could take going forward. And as as Kevin mentioned, and you know, if he, he 
he doesn't even contribute on special teams, then that just takes even more away from uh, what he can contribute. So I, I don't know. I just feel like if, if we don't see a, a vast change from, from Tolbert, then it's, it's very chance, very likely that we might not um, – mm-hmm. he might not make the team. What's so funny, Tom? Yeah, and so the, – the- the comment uh, from Kevin Shari. Can you see that one? <laughs> so, um, so anyway, I, I want to pivot to our latest topic. Before I do that, I want to reset a little bit here. Um, like I said, we keep score here. It's very close. Right now, Rabble has 17, Danny and Tom both. So it's anybody's game, but the new guy, but, but you know, it's he's newer to the round table right now. He got the lead. So, uh, with that being said, let's let's. Hey, start hey Tony, with I, I just I gotta interrupt you just to let you know. I know the points. You know, doesn't mean a whole lot of stuff. But if Rabs gets more points than I do, I don't care who wins this whole thing. But if he gets more points than I do, that's not gonna make for a good show for us. So just want to let you know. Um, just keep that in mind when you're. Uh, you know, you know that's that's so interesting, Dan, because I was thinking that would actually spice <laughs> up the show, and I think especially if especially if I leave this with a significant six to seven to eight point lead, a dominant you know double digit victory, then um, that'll give us something to, to to start off our show with a bang. So I think I think really you you owe it to our listeners to to give us the space to do that. Yeah. Oh gosh, guys! There's you know, unlike RJ, going on everywhere else. <laughs> Let's not do it here. <laughs> unlike RJ, though, I, I like a good juicy story, so I'm not above you know seeing some drama here. So we'll stay tuned to see what happens. But last question here, and I'll start with Rabble. Uh, you know, this is probably a wide you know net mm. question here. But what do you most likely or want to see from accomplished during OTAs? You know, it, it's funny. Is I, I actually have a list of several things, and the one I landed on last, the more I thought about, it, the more I liked it. And that is this. Um, you know, we've been talking about Deuce Vaughn. People have been talking about his, about getting him in the, you know, getting him in the in the passing game, etc. And he, I heard him even compared to, to Tony Pollard. He's a much, much less explosive player than Pollard. Much less. And so, um, if you look at his relative athletic score, again, it's a metric, right? Or it's a combination metrics but it's a single combination metrics it's not the gospel but he has a very low relative athletic score and i think the issue is that for someone his size for him to succeed in the nfl he has to have rare rare off the charts explosion numbers and strength numbers and he doesn't he actually has average explosion and strength numbers i know i know he's got some quicks i know he's low to the ground and i think those things are going to benefit him but I actually saw some conversations before the draft about whether or not he was even a draftable player. And I, and I do wonder if he has enough athleticism to survive in the NFL at that, at that sort of height weight combination. People want to compare him to Darren Sproles because Sproles also was a little guy who went to Kansas state. There's no comparison. Sproles was so much quicker, so much more laterally quick. Deuce Vaughn is, you know, he's got some quicks, but they're, they're not off the charts. And I worry frankly, about whether or not he's going to be able to survive uh, in the NFL. So I, what I want to see is NFL quality burst or an explosion from him because the offense needs that. And um, from a purely athletic standpoint, I'm not sure he has it and I need to see it. You know, that's interesting. And so are you, you share the same sentiment with Deuce Vaughn? Did you have a little different perspective on you asking me, Tony? 
Yeah. Um. I know. Actually, as yeah. Much as I'm I, sorry. I don't know if Dan cut out, but I said Dan. Dan yeah. As much as I hate to, to agree with Rabs at this point, I, I I agree with every single word that he spoke. With that, I I also have the same apprehensions about Deuce Vaughn. You know, I I did a lot of projecting and guessing and, and running backs and stuff. And I'll be honest with you, he wasn't on the on the list. And undraftable is something that I'm I totally understand it. I I need to see it too. Not not just the explosiveness too, but also too, you know, you look at Tony Pollard, that guy is a lot tougher than, you know, he's given credit for actually people are catching on, but you just would expect that for a guy as explosive as him, that he wouldn't be as tough. And, you know, it takes a few yards for him to go down. And I certainly don't think that's going to be, I kind of worry what's it going to be like when Deuce um, gets popped, you know, is he going to be able to turn, come up and, you know, get right back up and go. And uh, what kind of work can you actually give him too? Because, so I do have concerns about that, um, but I will say this one thing I do disagree with with Rabs about, and one thing that I am interested in watching in training camp is this Eric Scott guy. Mm-hmm. I want to see what what's what the buzz, what the craze is about with this um, with Will McClay and everybody. What the, I mean, I you know he's got the wingspan, you know he's got the the vertical, he's that I can, the traits are there, but I'm a little worried about his speed. And not just his long speed. I know a lot of there's a lot of debate about what that actually is, but just his agility because I haven't seen anything on that too. And to me, it's one of the things. If you look at Nishan, and I, you know, I'm constantly drawing those comparisons. It's like if you don't have that, if you don't have speed, and you don't have the twitchiness, then you really are a very limited corner. You just are. You're going to need help overneath. You're going to have to have a cushion. You know, there's all these things that you have to factor in and how you play. So I want to see what's different about Eric Scott. Now, keep in mind. Cowboys did a really good job with Deron Bland, so maybe they've learned some things. Maybe they know what they want, and, and they've gotten better at finding it. But we won't know until we see that. And I, I'm hoping I'm I'm hoping they you know we, when we go to camp, you know, and in, in August, and he's he's making plays and looking good, and and I start to feel better at it. But to me, I'm gonna have that the same doubt in him, just like I did with Nashawn, until he can prove me otherwise. So that he is one of the players that I'm very interested in, in watching, you know, and um, OTAs and, and all throughout training camp. Tom, do you, I mean, I, I hate to say and be redundant, but do you share the same sentiment? Like I think Deuce Vaughn's a very exciting player to the fan base. Do you feel kind of the same or have share some of the same concerns? Well, he's a six round pick. So I, if, if it doesn't pan out, it's not a huge problem and they didn't have a huge miss there because a six round pick is is a gamble anyway you're just rolling the dice on someone uh you know as people were mentioning his 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 tape looks very good he seems to be able to just break ankles a lot but that's college players he's playing going to be playing against nfl players uh the durability issue is always a question for a guy that size but to me all of this stuff is not ota questions this is mm-hmm. training camp questions otas to me are just about getting some stuff kind of they're starting to install a few things uh they're getting the new players in, into the roster getting a, a little look at them out there but they're not really going to be doing a great deal as far as actual development and evaluation it's it's just an initial glance at what they've got and the only thing I'm looking at out OTAs is is first get everybody out healthy. You know we've we've suffered through the freak injury 
uh, in camp before uh, that, you know, that happened to Sean Lee and just broke our hearts one year. Uh, and I want to see if they go ahead and first off, get in a kicker to, to give Vizcano a little bit of competition. And are they going to try to get a fourth quarterback in by then? Uh, you know, the Cowboys always carry four quarterbacks in camp. Uh, they still just got three. They haven't signed anyone. I don't even know if they've invited one to the rookie mini camp. Uh, I didn't see one on the, the list of names I saw of some invitees. So I'm, I'm just looking at those things because those are going to have roster implications for the competition in camp. Uh, you know, it's QB three is wide open right now. Uh, you know, I don't think Will Greer has any kind of a, a solid lock on that. And as we've seen, <laughs> that QB three position can become QB two real fast. And so that, yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't look for a lot. Uh, definitive to come out of OTAs. Uh, this is just part of the process of getting people ready and then giving the coaches ideas of what they need to develop in the, the first couple weeks of training camp. Rabbo, what's your, um, what's your panic level or your, your worry level about kicker and how it's not been addressed so far? It's very low. I'm not. I'm not worried about it. I actually don't think that there's a huge difference from kicker to kicker in the NFL. There's there's going to be somebody who's available. I think that. You know, I mean, every once in a while you get someone who, for two or three years, is in a groove like Dan Bailey was in the middle of the last decade. You know, and and you think, oh yeah, this is how it's supposed to be. And then and then you know, and then he gets the yips like everybody else does, or he gets hurt or whatever. I, I'm I'm not I'm not concerned by it. I, I think they'll they'll work it out. Yeah, look look how long it took them last year until they finally came up with with a guy that was was a pretty good solution up until the very end of things. Mm-hmm. Oh, he, I mean, he was he was lights out. He was fantastic until until suddenly he, he wasn't. He was awful. You know, and it wasn't seventeen. He just fell off a cliff. It wouldn't surprise me if he's our kicker again at all. Not at all. Not at all. And and it would not upset me if they went that direction. A lot of people were like, eh, but why not? Fair enough. And so I, I didn't set you guys up with this, and it's a playful small question here, but I'll start with you, Dan. Bonus question for the night before we wrap this up is uh, who, the schedule is coming out on the 11th. Who do you want to see week one? Does it matter? Or, you know, just at a fan perspective, who do you see want, want to see the Cowboys tee it off against? Well, I'm usually not one that really cares one way or another about schedules, you know, who would play this, that, and whatever. Um, but if you're asking me about week one, I want to tell you I want it to be an AFC team. Uh, you know, I, I want as much meaningless games early as possible because, as I've learned from my podcast partner here, is really the first few weeks of the, the NFL season is like your preseason. Um, and so I don't really want to – I don't want to like face Philadelphia on Sunday night or something like that. So I can tell you what I don't want. Um, I don't really have any big preferences, but – Except, you know, let's make it a, I don't, I don't want it to be the Chargers either because I don't want to have the Kellen Moore game be early um, as well. So just give me a meaningless game, you know, week one. I, I, I don't need it to be, give it, I'll take the Giants fine. I'll take that, something like that. I can live with that, but not one of the, I don't want one of the powerhouses. I don't want San Francisco. I don't want Philly. I don't want 
anything major. Just give me like a meaningless AFC. Well, who's the worst team in the AFC West? Or is that is that our what what, what AFC? I don't even know. They're playing that. the NFC, uh, AFC East. AFC East. Yeah. Okay. So, so the Jets then. So give give me the Jets week one. How about that? Hey, Patriots. <laughs> No, yeah. you know what, Danny? I'm right there with you. I'll ask you, Tom, but I'm right there in lockstep. I, I want I'm tired of like the agita I get week one. I want to go out and I want to win a game week one handedly. So Tom, where do you share? Do you share that sentiment or you want a, a challenging game out the gate? Well, what I want and what I get are not always the same. You know, I wouldn't mind Miami uh if you want to win a, a game to win. But if, if the NFL schedulers are looking for the Cowboys on the, in the Sunday night game, which they're kind of fond of doing, let's go ahead and get Buffalo out of the way. Mm. Don't you want a Super Bowl preview later, Tom? Nah. Mm. I'll agree. I'll agree. I'll agree with both these fine (laughs) gentlemen. I I feel like if you look at the Cowboys seasons for gosh, I mean, as far back as I can remember, it feels like there's something about this team where they're not really ready to go week one. I feel like there's they they they, they're so focused on getting everybody healthy through camp that there's they're not quite in sync week one, and they oftentimes play worse week one than they do almost any other point in in the year. So. as a consequence, I want a bad team and or an AFC team, right? So I think the two best candidates are probably like Carolina or whoever the – I mean, I think we can debate who the worst team in the in the AFC uh, East is. It could be New England. It could be the Jets. could even be yeah. Miami. But I think one of those teams. And I don't want a primetime game. Yeah, I, I, want, I want a normal game, like the second game on Sunday. No, The whole world isn't watching. It's a nice, quiet little affair at home against a patsy. And you, and you you leave it one and zero even if you play like crap. Yeah, and and that to me rules out the Jets because don't forget who their new quarterback. Yeah, exactly. Is. So we're really talking about New England or I mean, uh, which of those two teams do we have at home? Let's, let me see. Um, we're looking at New England uh, because they play at Miami. So we're looking at New England. So let's open the season against New England. Right. And now, I would I wouldn't mind going to Miami just to have more home games later on. Okay. Do you know how many? And so Tom, uh, let me ask. You. I was going to ask you, do you know how many uh, week one games we won under McCarthy? I think oh, they have. They won any? I think they they've have, lost they, them all. They've lost them all. So, yeah, just, uh, yeah, we're, ju- we're just not ready on week one. So, yeah, I forgot about Aaron Rodgers with the Jets now. So, that, yeah, I guess that throws that out of there. But, yeah, that's, um, that's going to be a primetime oh, game. Yeah. And the Cowboys are going to be primetime the first week, and we all know they will, as our friend Watson has just pointed out. I think, I think that's. But a, a man can hope. You know, are we going to get the typical Giants game? We haven't had that in week one in a while. I wouldn't have a problem with it. I mean, I, I prefer not to have a divisional game, but the Giants never scare me. So, I don't know. I could see us playing poorly and still winning that one. Yeah. That's, I, I, yeah, I don't want to see Philly. That's the only – I don't For think sure. they would do that. I think they want they want to backload those games so they're really yeah. meaningful. The, the one in Philadelphia they wanted to be in in you know in worse weather. 
Yeah, I don't know if they'll burn that premium matchup week one. I also said that about a Tampa Bay last year, too, and they still put them week one. But um, that Eagles game, Patriots game, Eagles-Cowboys could be a, a Christmas Day game. It could be a late yes. season game. So um, I, I don't know about week one. I mean, like you said, I, I want a cupcake. I want somebody that we can win here. And, uh, and speaking of winning, because I'm a fan of chaos – and so I got to give it to my man, Ravs. Ravs is the roundtable winner tonight. I tell you, I promise you it was close. But, Danny, you probably you probably wouldn't have had this result if you didn't mention it. So here, Ravs, when you win, you give a little victory speech and uh, you kind of have your moment here. So take it away. Sometimes, gentlemen, you just have to admit that there's another man in the room who's a better man than you are. And this is one of those times. <laughs> I tell well, you what. Sure. You're certainly taller. I'll give you that. <laughs> <laughs> nah, listen, you thanks that. everybody. It was great getting on. Uh, uh, you know, it's beginner's luck, and uh, this this basically means you realize that I can't come on the podcast for months now and tell I'm a beginner again because you know I want to I'm going to quit while I'm ahead. Who even invited this guy this time? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was your worst part, Danny. You, you you extended the invitation and you took a loss as a result. And I can res- I can relate to having better men in the room. Better men in the room. I'm joined with three guys. Thank you guys for being here tonight. Um, with that being said, though, Rabs, this is something we do. It's usually me on, on the end of this. So me hosting it, of course, I can't be on the end of it. Tom. Give me a Tomism. Give me a quote. Give me a sound. Send us off in a proper manner that we can, uh, you know, we can be happy with this here. So, so let's hear. Hold on. Give me a second while I pull this up. Um, <laughs> I just got to pull it up here, but I'll give you a second to stew on it. Give me something. Um, Tom, go ahead. Oh, Lord. Uh, I, I never think to prepare something. I just, I just know that I'm at that stage where, my mind is going, what's wrong with you, body? Can't you keep up anymore? And it really can't. Thank you, Tom. <laughs>